Welcome to the One Body, One Life podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Dr. Jason Wan, a lifestyle physical therapist and pain relief coach. What I do specifically is I help busy parents, healthcare workers, and professionals eliminate chronic pain. And we do all that from the comfort of your home. That means no manual therapy, no medication, and absolutely no reliance on things that are outside of your control. And we teach you every tool, strategy, and behavioral change to get you back to the activities you love without pain limiting you from those things. And if you're interested, see the info in our bio or in the description section regarding our online coaching program for those who desire relief from chronic pain. So today's topic is all called the Shoulder 101. Now, Shoulder 101 is all about just breaking down the fundamentals. And I want to break this down in a couple of different ways. First, I want to break down a little bit of the anatomy for you in regards to what exactly encompasses the shoulders, the exact bones. Then I want to go through some of the joints, basically what connects one bone to the other. And I'll go through the four joints that you may want to focus on. And then also break down the muscles. So the muscles are the primal movers of what allows those bones to move. And that's one of the most one of the more critical factors in order for you to rehabilitate your shoulder effectively. And then lastly, end it with what I feel are some areas that some physical therapists or rehab specialists neglect that you should be focusing on. Okay. So as we know, we have two shoulders. The shoulder is actually the most mobile joint in the body. And we have three bones that essentially encompass the shoulder. The first one we'll cover is the humerus. The humerus is actually the main portion of the shoulder. It's actually the ball and socket. The humerus actually attaches from uh, basically where the socket attaches, where we actually see a lot of movement from the shoulder and attaches all the way down into our elbow. So it is a fairly long bone um, called the humerus. And there are a lot of muscle attachments there. The other bone that we're talking about is also the shoulder blade or the scapula. And the shoulder blade um, has a number of different movements, um, but the shoulder blade actually encompasses basically the socket of the shoulder. And some people don't know that. So basically having the shoulder blade be strong and be stable in certain positions allows the shoulder to move with less pain. And then lastly, you also have your collarbone, which is called your clavicle. And your clavicle also extends down to your sternum and it attaches into um, your scapula. Okay, so let's go into some of the joints. Now we have four joints that encompass the shoulder. Uh, the first one, namely, is called the glenohumeral joint. The glenohumeral joint is again where the humerus attaches to the glenoid, being the socket. So basically, that ball and socket joint is called the glenohumeral joint. One of the more common joints susceptible to injury, whether that's a labral tear, a shoulder dislocation, that's where it may occur. And you also have your acromioclavicular joints. Some people know it as the AC joints. And there are a number of grades of injuries that can occur here. The acromion is basically this crow beak that essentially points forward. And basically that kind of forms the rooftop of the ball and socket joints. And then it also attaches down into your collarbone. So this is a very common injury. A lot of times just blunt force. Certain times, if you're doing a lot of like overhead movements, or if you do a lot of crossbody movements, the AC joint is one of the more common joints susceptible to injury. Most commonly, I think what I usually hear is if somebody falls directly onto the shoulder or a um, person like an athlete on the defensive or offensive side runs directly into that shoulder. That's where we usually see grade one, grade two, and sometimes grade three strains. And you'll sometimes hear this as called like a shoulder separation. Okay. So that's the AC joints. You also have your sternoclavicular joints and your sternum 
is basically the chest bone in the middle of your body. And that's where it attaches into the medial portion or the inside portion of the collarbone. And this joint is oftentimes uh, rarely hurt, but it is sometimes an area of stiffness. For example, people with breathing issues, uh, sometimes pulmonary issues, uh, things involving the lungs, uh, sometimes blunt force injuries can occur here as well. Um, so it's not usually the a primary area, and sometimes it is poorly misunderstood, but the sternoclavicular joints, there is little micro movements like elevation and rotation that can occur at this joint. Uh, and the last joints here, which actually is not a direct joint, as in it doesn't have uh, any ligaments, uh, there, there's no ligaments that truly attach this, but basically it is more of a gliding joint. And this is called the scapulothoracic joint. If you don't know what that is, your scapula again is your shoulder blade, which is the scapula portion. And then you have your thoracic spine, which is your thoracic spine is basically your upper back. It is a fairly large area. It's composed of 12 vertebrae attaching down from your lower rib cage all the way up into the base of your neck. So it is a fairly large portion of your spine. And then from the thoracic spine, what wraps around your body, which we know is called your rib cage. And so what happens is the scapula allows the scapula where the scapula attaches to the ribs, it basically glides along the rib cage. And so if you have any inherent weakness, instability in these areas, if there's muscles that are poorly trained, I oftentimes will see winging and winging can be due to a number of reasons, either scoliosis, pulmonary issues. It can actually be viral where one nerve gets actually knocked out. And if one nerve kind of knocks out one of the muscles that controls the scapula, you'll often see a lot of winging and winging can cause a lot of shoulder dysfunction, shoulder pain. It can cause a lot of weakness to the shoulder. And basically what's the purpose of the scapulothoracic joint is to stay nice and flush against each other. So the, basically the front portion of your shoulder blade should articulate or connect with the thoracic spine or the rib cage. Okay. And when we start to see the rib cage and the scapula kind of disconnect, or there's spacing in between, we'll start to see that winging. And therefore we'll start to see a lot of things, neck pain, shoulder issues, sometimes breathing issues. More importantly, we're talking about the shoulder. So you'll definitely see a lot of shoulder dysfunction or weakness here. Okay. So going into some of the muscles that incorporate that, and let's just, just rewind this a bit. The bones, essentially, we have three bones, and then we also have four joints. And then basically the four joints is what connects one bone to the other. And basically the bones are the moving parts that we see. Uh, we also have a lot of skin, muscle, and fascia that lines the bones and the joints. And we also have nerve endings, blood flow, et cetera. Uh, but the nerves essentially tell the muscles what to do. And that's what we're going to focus on here, which is called which is basically the muscles of the shoulder. Now, many people start to see the shoulder, why people often will often see people get hurt is because the shoulder is the most mobile joint in the body. And if you can prove that to yourself, if you're watching right now, you can, or listening right now, you'll start to see that the shoulder can move in many different directions. It can move across your body, away from your body, overhead, behind you, behind your back. So the shoulder there's no other joint in the body that can move as much as the shoulder has the most degrees of motion of any other joint in the body. There is other ball and socket joints in the body like the hips, but the hips have a very large pelvis. So there's lesser degrees of movement. So it is less prone to injury relative to the shoulder. So when you're looking at the shoulder being the most mobile joint in the body, we need to have a lot of muscles 
that talk to each other, that interconnect, that basically move in synchrony with each other. Because if any muscle becomes deficient or muscles become tight, it can definitely affect the shoulder in certain ways, decrease range of motion, increase pain, sometimes resulting in tears and other forms of injury. So it, you can imagine that, that if gravity goes straight down and let's say if you just hang your arm down towards the floor, how does your arm actually stay there, right? It's just connected to the body in some ways. That is through the muscles and the ligaments that, that, that keep that shoulder in place. So if we didn't have the muscles, we didn't have ligaments, that shoulder would essentially just fall off the body, right? So that's how inherently unstable the shoulder could be if all the muscles and all the ligaments were detached. So if you're looking at how the body moves, you have, and it essentially you have your elbows and your wrists and your hand, all those muscles matter too, right? So those are some of the indirect areas away from the shoulder, but let's, when you're diving into the shoulder muscles specifically, most people know the shoulder, the main shoulder muscles as like the rotator cuff is essentially four muscles that attach from your shoulder blade into your humerus. And they line the ball and the, the role is not necessarily just to move the shoulder. Uh, the main role of the rotator cuff, all four muscles is to keep the ball centered directly in the socket. So it's more of a control muscle and is more of an endurance muscle. You're not, nobody's going into the gym trying to hit PRs with the rotator cuff. That is just going to result in potential injury. You have other larger muscles that we'll get into, but the rotator cuff are these four muscles that essentially centrate um, the ball directly in the socket to produce basically pain-free movement or movement in which that ball doesn't run into other structures around that shoulder. Okay. Remember how we talked about the acromion? The acromion is essentially the rooftop of the ball and socket. So oftentimes we'll start to notice that if somebody has any compensations, they have pain on moving their shoulder on the way up, or they have limited overhead flexion, limited external rotation. We sometimes call this general term subacromial impingement, sub being below below the acromion. And that is where general pinching may occur. This is somewhat poorly understood because I think many people, like they start to get fearful and hesitant. They're like, oh, something's pinching, right? So if it's impingement, something's really getting squashed up. And while that might be true, that's not the whole, that's not the whole picture because even babies and people that have no shoulder pain at all, there is all, there is all some sort of uh, impingement going on. There is actually uh, a lot of articulation between the ball, the muscles on top of the ball, as well as the acromion. However, when you start to get excessive, right? So I'm talking about excessive impingement where maybe the acromion and the ball are both rubbing like the muscle, right? They're both rubbing the muscle together and that creates a lot of friction. And when friction occurs around a tendon, that's what results in tendonitis or a muscle strain, okay? So subacromial impingement, I don't use that. I don't generally throw that term minology allowed a lot just because it's the more primary term, but the subacromial impingement secondary to what may be causing that, right? So is it a weakness issue? Is it more of a stiffness issue where the cartilage and basically the bones that surround that are getting a little bit stiffer? So that's more of an arthritic condition. Uh, so what we say is like, sometimes somebody comes in with subacromial impingement secondary to let's say osteoarthritis or frozen shoulder or uh, rotator cuff tendonitis, right? Um, whenever somebody gets tendonitis, that's usually results in some sort of weakness. And that weakness, again, can cause 
dysfunction in which how the shoulder moves and how the bones move together. Okay. So the rotator cuff again, centers the ball directly in the sockets. Don't have to go into all the scientific terms, but basically strengthening the rotator cuff is oftentimes a go-to for many rehab specialists, many physical therapists. Sometimes that's not always the case. And then you have more of your primal movers. Remember what I said that the rotator cuff is more of an endurance muscle versus you have a lot of larger primary movers that I tend to focus on a lot, not just for like aesthetic reasons, just so the muscles can pop out, but because if the muscles are larger, stronger, more resilient, that is going to decrease your chances of injury, strain, and also you're just going to have stronger shoulders and be able to do more things. So let's start with like maybe the deltoid. The deltoid is composed of three muscles, the front deltoid, the middle deltoid, as well as the rear deltoid. And basically it is the larger cap that kind of lines the ball, right? So you have your rotator cuff that it's hard to reach because it's deeper inside. And then more superficially, that basically that large layer of muscle that attaches from the front, the middle, and the back of the ball and socket is your front, middle, and rear delt. And basically, where if it's the front delt, it allows basically forward movement. Lateral delt basically allows lateral movement or abduction. And then you have your posterior delt, which allows extension. And there are other secondary motions like external rotation and internal rotation, but maybe don't get into that right now. But basically, strengthening the deltoid in different positions, that's really a pivotal thing for most people. Okay. So if you neglect strength in the deltoid, essentially you have a very weak shoulder. And then what you also have are these much, much larger muscles than the deltoids, which is your pectorals, as well as your teres major, as well as your lats. The pectoral, if you've seen that before, it basically allows a lot of pressing movements forward in front of you. It allows internal rotation from a higher standpoint. So if you're grabbing something down, so it allows overhead flexion back down into extension and vice versa. Also from a lower position from your arm, basically by your side, it allows you to lift up your arm towards the ceiling. And that's also assisted with the deltoid and some other scapular muscles. So the pec major, the pec minor, they are still pretty key muscles to strengthen. Then you also have your lats. Your lats is more of a pulling down muscle. So basically pulling things towards you is essentially the main movement of the teres major as well as the lats. And then you have these other muscles that are a little bit more key for shoulder health. Let's say your teres, not your teres, you have your lower trapezius, you have your upper trapezius, and you have your middle trapezius, and you also have your rhomboids. Okay. So a lot of these muscles, not again to too many details, but allows a lot of scapular movements, like squeezing your shoulder blades back, bringing your shoulder blades forward into raising your shoulders up towards your ears, shrugging, and also dropping them down. Also, there is something called scapulohumeral rhythm, which basically for every degree that your humerus moves or every one degree that your humerus moves, your scapula and your shoulder blade have to rotate up two degrees. Or maybe it's, uh, sorry, it's the other way around, but it's basically your humerus rotates up two degrees and then your scapula rotates one degree. So there are muscles that support that shoulder blade with upward rotation, mainly those muscles are either the serratus anterior, a muscle that attaches from eight ribs and attaches into the inside border of your shoulder blade. And also you have your lower trapezius as well, which also is this muscle that attaches more into your mid back and then attaches into uh, the lower corner of your shoulder blade. Okay. So I know this is hard to explain more from a podcast, but you can, at least it gives you a broad scope of how many muscles 
really involved with the shoulder and what muscles you could potentially can look at. And if you need more details, I probably have a number of resources, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and you can maybe see a little bit more of a breakdown of the shoulder musculature. Okay. So going into maybe like how to strengthen your shoulder. There, there's a lot of ways. One is called open kinetic chain strengthening. Open kinetic chain is basically where your fist and your arm are actually moving basically in space versus closed chain is where basically your elbow or your hand or your wrist are fixated either onto the wall, a bench or the floor. Okay. So closed chain is where your hand is fixated and everything else moves around that fixated area, right? So if I do push-ups, my hands are on the ground and then it's my whole entire torso and the rest of my body and my elbows that are producing that movement versus let's say if I do a lateral raise or a bench press, a bench press is basically where I'm moving that barbell up towards the ceiling. And that is open chain because that bar is suspended in space versus again, hands or elbows fixated on the floor, even side planks and planks are, are also good alternatives or good options for closed chain strengthening. And essentially combining a mixture of closed chain strengthening and open chain is a really pivotal factor. We also have, just to let you know about the equipment that I generally would use, I oftentimes take well advantage of bands. And I think that bands are great as a starting point. And then you also have monster bands, which are larger bands that can either help to mobilize the shoulder, or you can use it as a progression from the thinner bands. And then you also have my favorite things are definitely dumbbells, kettlebells, even maces, as well as barbells. All those are the money makers. All those are like the main things that will really help you to create a stronger, more pain-free shoulder. And for another time, we can definitely dive into the more specifics of what those motions are, but I am very biased towards using dumbbells and external weight as a means to make that sh shoulder stronger, right? Because again, just make sure that, and understand that the shoulder is the most mobile joint in the body. So it does make sense to definitely strengthen, not just the rotator cuff, like that stabilizing muscle, but also strengthen every primal mover, try not to neglect any muscles. And I think your shoulder will feel better. All right. So lastly, just diving into what are some of the, maybe the more neglected areas or maybe areas of rehab that you may, might not be focusing on. And maybe your, maybe your PT or your trainer has given you like shoulder external rotation to strengthen your cuff, or maybe they gave you like front raises or lateral raises to strengthen your deltoid, or maybe you're doing what I call like I's, T's and Y's, right? I's, Y's and T's. Those are very common movements, but let's see what are some other areas that can really enhance your shoulders. Things that I focus on are definitely trunk stability, because if your trunk is your center of gravity, and basically, let's say you're doing like a baseball swing or a golf swing, and all of a sudden you strain your shoulder or your elbow. It's oftentimes because the core is not strong enough, or maybe the core lacks endurance, or maybe you're not using your core in a way where you are teaching yourself how to move your core faster, right? So if your core cannot react, if your core is weak, that's your center of gravity. So that's just going to put a lot more strain on every joint within the shoulder. So core stability is actually very important. Uh, the second thing is lower extremity power as well as speed. Cause a lot of times, like when I see, like, for example, a pitcher is very common. People will throw out their shoulder a number of times or get a lot of upper extremity injuries, but it's oftentimes because they lack lower body strength. They rely on their shoulder to do all the velocity of that pitch. But when you're focusing on what's actually on the ground, all, a lot of that force is being generated first from the legs, followed by the trunk, followed by then the shoulder and the elbow, as well as the wrist focusing on foot, calf, hamstring, glute strength, focus on lower extremity power. 
allows somebody to have much lesser chances of shoulder injury. So every single time I evaluate somebody with a shoulder injury, I will always evaluate their lower body strength, their single leg stability, because that's a pivotal piece to rehab. Lastly, just looking at breathing as well as thoracic spine mobility. So somebody that uh, either has poor diaphragmatic control, poor breathing patterns, you'll often see them compensate either by breathing with their neck. They'll oftentimes develop like neck tightness, neck compensations. And then that also disturbs the mechanics of the shoulder. Also, if you're not breathing right, or let's say you have poor like rib cage mobility, mobility or poor thoracic mobility. If you don't have good thoracic mobility, that definitely hundred, almost hundred percent of the time results in somebody having more chances of shoulder impingement or shoulder strain or pain. Okay. So there is never, there's almost rarely a time where I don't focus on thoracic mobility, unless of course it's, let's say, um, somebody that's extremely flexible, has a super flexible spine, and we don't need to focus on thoracic mobility. Maybe they just need to focus on rotator cuff endurance as well as shoulder strength, right? So it all varies from person to person, but I just wanted to give you some insights on other like neglected areas that I often see. Like people rarely will focus on like lower extremity strength, trunk stability, along with thoracic mobility, as well as diaphragmatic control and breathing patterns, okay? So that's it. That's what I got for you guys today. I really hope that this gave you a really fast, but really insightful way on shoulder one-on-one, how to actually treat your own shoulder, what areas you need to focus on. And if you enjoyed this episode, definitely hit that subscribe or follow button. I do release newest episodes every single Wednesday. And I love if you can leave a rating in your podcast, usually Spotify or even Apple podcasts are great places. If you can leave a five-star rating, that will help a lot. That will allow my content to reach more people from and let them know about my message and the benefits of from the tips that I put out. And if there's any feedback about content I'm putting out, good or bad, definitely send me a text, 415-965-6580, or you can email me at jason at flexodoctorday.com. I reply to all my messages, um, and I always take in your feedback and maybe even have uh, some of your questions or your feedback on future episodes. And so I'll leave you always with these last words of advice. We only have one body, one life. Make every action you take be one that makes you a better version of you. Take care.